0: We're approaching Easter Sunday, a glorious day where we celebrate in a special way the resurrection of the Lord. And indeed, everything since that day has been, given, um, has been given to us from the vantage point of that day. In other words, we look back at these events from the vantage point of the risen Lord. We know already how the story will end. We know that, this, that the Lord will rise And in doing so, he will conquer sin and death and will ascend to the Father, laying out this path for us to follow. So we know how the story will end, but the church represents these mysteries to us again and again and again and again. With the focus on the resurrection, surely, but not to overlook too quickly his death, his passion, and all the events surrounding it. So that's why we have Holy Week. That's why we have the Triduum. The special celebration in which we recall in special ways all of these events surrounding the Lord's death and resurrection. Now, of course, this happens at every Mass. Every single Mass is, in a sense, a mini-Sunday, a mini-Easter, where we come around the altar and we celebrate His death and resurrection. But not just as a memorial of something that happened in the past, but rather, God makes these mysteries present to us again and again. We can think of it as getting in a time machine. We can't literally get into a time machine and go back in time to, the, to 2,000 years ago when Jesus walked the earth and died and rose. But in a sense, we can, because God makes these things present to us again in the liturgy. So here in this gospel, we hear basically the opening chapter of this, of this sequence and we'll celebrate it again tomorrow at the Mass of the, Lamb Su- of the Last Supper of the Lamb's Supper on Holy Thursday. But here we're already getting a glimpse into it. What will happen at the Last Supper when Jesus is with his disciples after having walked with them for three years, having prepared them, have befriended, having befriended them, having really established this deep friendship with them. And they got clues as to what would happen, but they didn't know fully. He knew, of course, Jesus knew, being God, he knew everything. But he was preparing them for this event. And that's what he's been doing to us. He's been preparing us for this event, for his death and resurrection. At this meal, however, something very peculiar happens. He displays to them, he explains to them that one of his disciples will be the one who betrays him, will be the one that turns him in, will be the one that initiates the passion, his terrible scourging and trials and finally crucifixion and death. It will be one of his disciples. And they all say, actually it doesn't say they all, it says they began to say to him one after another, surely it is not I, Lord, Surely it is not I, Lord. And I think we can be inclined to think the the same thing of ourselves. Maybe in an earlier stage in our our spiritual journey, but not one that we move away from permanently. We're always tempted to kind of slide back into this stage of our spiritual journey. Thinking, surely it is not I, Lord. It is not I who will betray you. Look at how good I am. I stand up here with liturgical clothes, with these robes. Surely it is not I who will betray you. Look at what I do for the church. Look at the sacrifices that I've made. Look at how much I've studied. Surely it is not I, Lord. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't robbed any banks. I'm not Hitler. We may think these things or hear these things. Surely it is not I, Lord, who will betray you. And surely enough, we heard the betrayer himself, Judas, saying the same thing. Surely it is not I. Surely it is not I. The transition to a further stage in the spiritual journey is precisely to say, yes, it is I. It is me. I am the one who betrays you, Jesus. I do so by my sins, day in and day out. I cannot save myself. I cannot perfect myself. I cannot prevent myself from betraying you. Yes, Lord, it is I who betray you. Once we get to this point, and not, again, not just we get here and then we stay here permanently, we're always susceptible to sliding backwards. But if we can get here and admit our fault, admit our fallenness, then we can come to the Lord, we can come to the altar, we can come to the table, and we can say in truth, in honesty, what we prayed in the beginning of this Mass. As Father Dominique led us, we can pray, I confess, etc., etc. My thoughts, my words, my actions, I confess. And living out of this spirit of repentance of being fallen, we then receive his grace to be fallen, surely, but to be redeemed. To be sons and daughters in the Son. This is the passage that allows us to then join our lives to his life, to then be crucified, to be killed, and to be risen. This is the movement that the, that the Lord Jesus is inviting us to every moment of our lives, but in a special way when we come to the altar at Mass, and in a special way, even more so, at the Easter season. The church used to require, and still requires, it's not often said anymore, something called the Easter duty, which means to receive communion once a year. So the church, as a good mother, would encourage all of her sons and daughters to come to communion at least once a year and receive communion once a, once a year. Now, in order to do so, we have to be free from all sin, especially free from all, all mortal sin. And so the church encourages to confess our sins to the priest. Now, every time we come to Mass, we say a confession in the beginning of Mass, and that cleanses us of all of our venial sins. But oftentimes we have sins in our hearts that are really alienating us from the Father, that have killed our spiritual lives. And so we come to the priest in confession and we say them to him. And the priest hears our sins and offers those incredibly healing words I absolve you from your sins. God Himself saying to us through the priest, I absolve you from your sins. And everything that we have committed, no matter how big or small, is wiped away. I've asked Father Dominique if he could be available for confession. And of course, he agreed. So anyone who wants to go to confession after Mass, can just approach him and he will make time for you. This is a practice for all of us. If we haven't yet gone to confession at least once during this Lent, now is the time, now is the day to go to confession and really avail ourselves to all the grace that the Lord wants to impart upon us during this Easter triduum, so that we can be fully prepared to receive Him in on Easter Sunday and resurrect with him. Now I would just say one last thing about confession. There are lots of questions that come up around confession. Why go to confession to a priest? Why not go to the priest? Why not go to the Lord directly? And of course, we do go to the Lord directly and we can do that every day. But here's an insight from an unusual place, from a courtroom TV show called Caught in Providence. You've seen these shows like Judge Judy and Judge Mathis, etc. This one's called Caught in Providence with with Judge Frank, Judge Frank Caprio. And there is an episode in which This young man came to him, he had received a ticket, a speeding ticket, and he had come to court, and what he said was, he said, I can't pay this ticket. I can't pay it. I'm out of a job, I'm in a tough situation, I can't pay it. And the judge said to him, you know, I want to commend you for having come here. You didn't have to come here, you could have stayed at home, most of your peers probably would have stayed at home, and they would have gotten more tickets and more fines and might have ended up in jail. But you made the decision to take this responsibility, to take the responsibility of your actions. And you've come here and you've confessed that you did this and that you can't pay. Well, I, Judge Frank, I will will waive your fee and I will pay for it myself. So he did that. There's a little insight, a little analogy into what happens at confession. We come to the priest, we come to the judge. The Lord is king, he's also judge. We come to him and we say... Here are my sins. I've committed them. I take responsibility for them. And I cannot pay for them. How could I possibly pay for my sins? I cannot pay for them. And the Lord says to us, that's okay. I've already paid for you. I've paid for you on the cross. That's why I've come and died and risen. What I'm offering you is not judgment, is not condemnation. What I'm offering you is reconciliation, is mercy, is communion with me and with the Father. So come with me and I will take you to the Father. Jesus says that to us each and every day.